0: We're in this series, Better Together. We've been talking about how God's design is that we do better together. We do better in unity. There's all sorts of stories and also scriptures that just live out this display of how God chooses to do things in people, in numbers. A disciple, we talked about last week, never goes out by himself. They always win in groups. We know the scripture says a three-chord strand is not easily broken. Why? Because you're better together. I love that even the being of God is made up of better together. It's a trinity. Are you with me? And so this whole thing is just this display of like, we're better together. We're better together. We saw in Genesis where God looks at the things that he made and he says, oh, I see the trees and I made them good. He calls them good. Water, good. And and you're reading through Genesis where he calls all these things good. And then the first thing he calls not good is when Adam is alone. He looks and he goes, oh, Adam is alone. This isn't a good thing. It's better together. And so he creates Eve and then it carries on from there. Why? Because we're made to do community. Amen. And so today, specifically, uh, I want to talk about a thing that really hinders community, a thing that really hurts us being better together. And the thing that really gets in the way and that hurts us uh, and our opportunity to be better together is this thing called unforgiveness, It's hard for us to be better together when we're bitter toward one another. Are you with me? It's hard for us to be better together and to flow in unity when we're holding on to unforgivenesses with each other. And and so for me, you know, the scripture, uh, I'm gonna read it here, Galatians 5 1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And so, what the scripture here is saying like, look, the whole baseline, the point of all of this Jesus came, set us free, equipped us, sent us the Holy Spirit, positioned us, gave us everything for what? For us to walk in freedom. For us to be able to walk in a way that God is leading us and guiding us and prompting us and we don't have any hindrances, it's saying, hey, now that Jesus has come and set us free and his blood has washed us up, what you do now is you don't fall back into any kind of slavery or bondage. Are you with me? But what is unforgiveness? Slavery and bondage. When we let a bitter root or we let bitterness or we let those things hold in our life, you're trapping yourself in that very thing. Are you with me? We talk about the big things. We talk about, oh, the drunkenness and drugs, and we talk about adultery, and we talk about all of these things that trap you in your sin and trap you in your stuff. But we don't spend much time saying, hey, it is equally devastating to your destiny if you allow yourself to be trapped in unforgiveness, right. in offenses and bitterness. I know you guys aren't going to like this sermon. First sermonists didn't like this sermon, but we're going to preach it anyway. Amen. <laughs> It makes us uncomfortable, and I wish I could get up here and preach every sermon like, "Oh, we're better together. Let's feed more kids. Let's do all these things that are easy to cheer." But these sermons are equally important to our purpose and our call and our assignment of, like, "Hey, we gotta just get a tune up. We just gotta be better." Are you with me? So we talk about all these big things and all that, but unforgiveness is such a trapping. The bit, and we all face it. We all face it. We all have those. People who pop up on our social media and it immediately gives you that feeling or you drive past them in a neighborhood and you just, you know, can I smash their mailbox and do it, right? You just, maybe that's just me, but uh, so a person you walk past at work or you see their name on an email and immediately you get trapped in a slavery mentality to that bitterness that you have. Amen. And Jesus is like, no, the whole thing of this is that you live free and you walk in freedom. Amen. Bill Johnson gives this great statement. He's a pastor at Bethel Church in California. And he says that every answer is already in heaven to everything that we already need. Every governmental issue, everything that we face here on earth, there's already an answer for in heaven. So what the enemy works his hardest at doing is blocking heaven to earth or God to our ear, right? Because if, if, we're, if we're living free and, we've, and we're living free, we're living in tune with God. He's revealing things to us. He's speaking to us. But if we can stay busy and distracted and we can stay in unforgiveness and we can stay bitter and all we're doing is rehearsing that thing that happened, it blocks our ability to get our answers from heaven. Are you with me? This is why unforgiveness is such a big deal. Because it literally dampers what God wants to do in your life. Amen. Okay, oh, shoot. I wasn't sure what was going on there. It just destroys. And we, again, we make so much about drugs and alcohol, adultery. We make up all these big other things over here, but these can be as equally hindering to your purpose if we just let bitterness and offense and unforgiveness grow. Amen. So Jesus gives us a few uh, really great displays. And let me first say this before I give you point one. Here's the tightrope that I walk as a pastor, just to let you in. When you share a sermon about unforgiveness, there's really like multiple sides to it, but the biggest are this. One side of the tightrope literally should just be me saying to people, get over it, you're being petty, you need to extend forgiveness, move on, reach ahead. And it's, it's that simple, it's pettiness at times. But then on the other side of the coin, it is not that at all. They're deep wounds, they're wounds, they're big things that hurt, they're real issues that take great work to overcome. And so at times as I'm preaching, I'm going to be kind of giving you the, get over it, you're being petty, be better, let's move on. But with great grace on the other side, I'm saying, some of us have had terrible things happen to us. And it's not as simple as, get over it, you're being petty, be better. Are you with me? And so I just pray that the Holy Spirit filters it for you this morning, whichever side you fall on, that God wants you set free and, 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 and not in slavery to that thing that happened to you or has held you. But, but he's, he's the wonderful counselor, the scripture says. And he will walk with you with great grace and great leading to get you free, amen. So some of it for you, if it's get over it, be better, you're being petty, receive it that way. For others, if it's a deep thing, I'm encouraging you, do the deep work. Do, do the great walk with the wonderful counselor to see all that he wants you to be, Amen. So a couple things. Point number one is this. We need to know in life, offenses will come. You're not going to get to a level in God or in Christianity where you'll never have the opportunity to be offended. They're going to present themselves to you. You're going to have the opportunity uh, to be offended, to get bitter, to be angry. Uh, You will get done wrong as a Christian. Amen. The more you actually walk with God, the more it will happen to you. Uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 1. And then, it, and then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Could say it to you like this. It's not going, it shouldn't be strange to you when people criticize you. It shouldn't be strange to you when people backbite you. It shouldn't be strange to you when people turn on you. But what you need to do is have a plan for that. The scripture isn't like, hey, know that the offenses are coming and just react however you want to. No, th- this, is an, this is a caution. This is an encouragement of like, hey, offenses are going to come. Have spiritual wisdom in place to be able to handle them when they do. Some of you just need to be Facebook grounded. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> going on stuff, saying all kinds of stuff, just to calm down. Don't operate in so much bitterness and offense and unforget Amen. Get him, get him. Thank you. <laughs> Reno don't have Facebook, so he can say that. and no, I'm just kidding. He does. <laughs> <laughs> he said MySpace. He's bitter and offended that MySpace went away. <laughs> oh, Reno's my guy. But for real, the, the caution is, look, it's going to happen. It's going to present itself. Let's have people in our life and wisdoms in our life that we know how to react properly when it does. You're not, it's not, hey, offenses are going to come. You're allowed to take them on. No, you have to have a plan for them. Amen. John 15, 20. It's one of the most powerful scenes in Passion of the Christ, in my opinion. Uh, I was a young minister at the time. And so uh, Jesus is. It's the scene where he's sitting with his disciples and he's about to tell them this scripture I'm going to read to you. And as a young minister, I was like, Wow, the truth in that is absolutely unbelievable. And it stuck with me for quite a few years because there's such a deep truth to it. And he gathers up his disciples and in John fifteen twenty he says, Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. You're going to have the opportunity to be offended and to be done wrong, and to be lied about. But it's important for us to react proper, properly, not to take the offense, not to take on the cage, not to become enslaved to these things that present themselves to us. Amen. Amen. Even Jesus, he knows Judas is going to betray him. He's going to sell him out. And as Judas walks up to him, he, he kisses, Judas kisses him on the cheek, and Jesus in that moment still calls him friend still in the moment, can say, hey, this, and say that, uh, what am I trying to say? Be a hypocrite? Be two-faced? Be No, he, he was in a mature place that he didn't let offense overtake him and respond in a way that he led from offense. Are you with me? Psalm one nineteen one sixty five. it says, great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Great peace. I mean, and and we're called to be blessed are the peacemakers. We're called to be peace people in our world. Amen. And it's saying, look, and if you're somebody who loves the law and follows God's way, you can be a person who even though offenses come, you don't stumble, right? Nothing causes them to stumble. Another translation of it is, is the word offend. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing will offend them you keep in God's word in front of you, you keep in his ways in front of you. When those things happen, those offenses won't take root. Amen. I love, uh, in Matthew, you see Jesus uh, sends out his disciples and he tells them to cast peace into the home that they're going to go to. So literally their instruction as they show up is to say peace to this home and peace I bring and peace, and to cast peace. I believe that you can cast forgiveness. I believe that literally you can show up into atmospheres or you can have an offense happen right in front of you and you can react with forgiveness and cast peace. Are you with me? Um, I thought about this. I saw a pastor of a situation that I was involved in uh, years ago. Um, So I know the situation of what's happening. Uh, I saw a pastor get up in front of his congregation and he said uh, how he had done this great act of forgiveness. And he was talking about to God. And so I talked to God and when I just want to let you all know, I've done this great act of forgiveness. And I immediately knew that he actually had not gone to the person that he talked about having forgiveness with. And I'm, and I'm trying to get you to see this. I'm a vertical person, right? We do vertical, like we, we, we do vertical, but forgiveness is actually not as much vertical you and God as it is horizontal one another. So when we make forgiveness, just God, I pray and I forgive them. It's not enough. That's why the scripture says in Matthew 18, you go to your brother and you work out this whole forgiveness thing and you talk about it. Am I making sense? Why do you think he wants it to be that way? He wants it to be that way because we're better together and he wants to make sure we go and get it worked out because we need each other. Amen. So a lot of times we just, oh, you know, oh, oh. I want to forgive them. And we pray to God and we say, I I have forgiven them. And you think we got to go to one another and work out this thing called forgiveness. Amen. And so it's just it's important as we're better together. Point number two, if you are forgiven, it is your requirement to forgive. If you yourself have been forgiven, it's your requirement to forgive. Uh, I mean it more in the sense of this. If God has forgiven you and set you free when you didn't deserve it, how much more so should we be imitators of God and forgive others even when they may not deserve it, even when they may not have it all put together? Amen. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? What do you think? Seven times? is what he says. What do you think? Seven? He's probably trying to be high and mighty. Like, what do you think? Seven? I could do seven. And Jesus responds in, 22, I, in verse 22, I do not say up to seven times, but 77 times in a day, we ought to pursue forgiveness with one another. That is extreme. Why? Because that's how much God doesn't want you held entrapped, and, and kept in bitterness and unforgiveness, and offense. Why? Because it ruins all the purpose that God is trying to do in you. When the scripture says, this is the day that the Lord has made, I will rejoice in it. He wants us to be joyful in our days, not, not agitated in our bitternesses and unforgiveness every day. He prepared a day for you. The scripture says we're to number our days and spend them accordingly. Spend them doing what? His purpose is not rewriting the, reliving the things of our past. Amen. Amen. And so you just, forgiveness, forgiveness, why? Because we're, we're better together. Uh, what I believe makes it easy for us to forgive is because God forgave us. When you say, I'm not going to forgive them, I don't believe it. Well, guess what? Remember that you were forgiven when you didn't deserve it. And it makes it a little bit easier to go forgive them. There's actually a parable, I don't have time to get into all of it, but it's also found in here where there is a person uh, who's kept, and it's a parable, and, and the story is saying that there was a guy who was forgiven of his great debt. In the modern day uh, money, it would be in the millions, and he's forgiven of it. And as soon as he's set free and forgiven of his debt, or his slavery, if you will, uh, he immediately goes out and finds another person who has a much significant smaller debt than him, much less debt, and tries to hold them to that. And the master is saying, how unbelievably unfair of you that you've been forgiven and set free of so much, but yet you still want to hold that person to their thing. Do you know that we do that too? We do the same that the scripture, we know that God is love, right? And the scripture says that love keeps no record of wrong. Let me say it again. God is love and it's a kingdom of love. And the scripture says that love keeps no record of wrong, then why do we run around calling people, hey, you're not going to believe what she you did. You're not going to believe what they did and read off our records of wrongs. It's not of the kingdom. Amen. I'll keep moving on. <laughs> and so Matthew 11:25 says this, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. Verse 26, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. He's serious about it. He's very serious about us living a life free of offense. And this is that tightrope for me. The petty things, the silly things, the competitive things, he does not want us bound in those things. Amen? And then the big heavy things that literally... Eat at you daily till you ache, till you can't function. You're just reliving what happened and how you wish you could have done this to make it different. Oh, if I would have done this, if I would have done that. God doesn't want you in that guilt. My mother-in-law is a counselor. She said one of the hardest things to actually get somebody to do in forgiveness and the process of forgiveness is to get them to forgive themselves first oh, I let myself go there, or I let that thing happen, or I let this, or I wasn't good enough at this. And that's one of the biggest hurdles. No, God is so serious about forgiveness. He's like screaming, get free from this. Amen. Forgiveness is a huge, huge thing in the kingdom of God. It makes us better. I'll close with this. Uh, I think Joyce Meyer is the one credited to saying this first, but she said, When you hold on to unforgiveness, when you keep bitterness and offense and unforgiveness in your heart, it's like you're drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. You're waiting and and you're holding on and you're bitter and you're waiting for them to get there. And really your life is the one that's decaying and unraveling and getting destroyed. Because what happens is you set patterns and you lead the way from offense and generations under you see it. And you live your life and make decisions from bitterness and offense in your marriage. In your workplace, in your church. And then all of these things start to creep in because we're coming from this place of poison. Are you with me? We have to get ourselves free of it. It affects your day and your tomorrow. You attach yourself to the who or the what that you're not forgiving. So much of what God wants to do in you now, you keep attached to the thing that God's already removed. Amen. Matthew, Jesus led the way, his journey. He gave us a great example uh, about how to lead the way. He modeled for us forgiveness. Point number three, Jesus modeled forgiveness over revenge. He modeled forgiveness over revenge. Jesus' journey was full of forgiveness. You're talking about a guy who was perfect. Nobody could say anything actually wrong against him. They all tried and they all tried to falsely accuse, but you got a guy who is perfect. If anybody had the right to, revenge or to fight back or to justify him. Obviously it was him. He spent his whole life feeding people, healing people, leading people to better ways of living. And yet he still found himself in front of Pontius Pilate and all these other people accusing him. He stands in front of uh, the courts and he says, listen, in Matthew 26, 53, Jesus could have prayed and had 12 legions of angels, 72,000 angels could have showed up in that moment and got revenge. But Jesus extended compassion and forgiveness and understanding to the false accusations. Offenses did not come on him. What a great model, amen? Luke chapter 23, verse 34, he's hanging on the cross. They're gambling over his stuff. They've ripped his beard, they spit on him, they beat him, they've stripped him of his clothes, all of these things. He hangs on the cross and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What if that was our heart cry? To people who take advantage of us and mess us up and, and try to take from us and, and step on us all along the way. If we could have these moments of God forgive them for they know not what they're doing and we can extend grace. And I'm not saying we become the new floor mats and we just let people to, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just saying, what if we lead the way like Jesus led the way in great forgiveness, amen? Romans twelve fourteen says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse, verse 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. It's not our job to revenge and to get them and put them in their place. It's our job to live and function the way God called us to and not let offense come and be trapped in the slavery of bitterness and unforgiveness. We're better together when we extend forgiveness to one another. Amen? Not just in this place, but in our workplaces and at home in our communities. Amen? Forgiveness is not a feeling. Well, when I feel like it, I'm gonna, you know, we'll get to that when I feel like it. Forgiveness is a truth that we need to operate in. Uh, I heard it said like this. Forgiveness, taking the step of extending forgiveness, it's like setting a bone. You, you set the bone, you had a broken bone and you get it set, there's still going to be times after setting it that it still feels pain. It's healing, but you still notice the pain. You notice the event of what happened. You set the pain, you set the bone, but it still takes some time. That's how forgiveness works sometimes. Sometimes it's immediate. God just doesn't, ame- and, it's just, and, it's, and it's immediate. Sometimes it's, God, I set this thing and I still feel the pain. And it, it still affects here and it affects here, but I believe that you've set it in place and you're restoring it, amen? I think about these young people and this culture of, of suicide and celebrityism of, of all of this stuff. If, if we keep down this road of hate and bitterness and attacking and segregating, are you with me? I'm worried about the bitternesses and the offenses and the road and the slavery that that will lead to a generation. We must, as the church, lead the way in forgiveness. Amen. Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. I'm so thankful for every person in this room. God, I know that you're doing a freeing work even right now as we heard your truths. You're setting us free. God, many people in this room are gonna be like that broken bone. They're gonna set it and they're gonna trust you that you're healing it, you're restoring it, you're making it new. God, I pray that you give every person the boldness and you lead them by your Holy Spirit into perfect restoration. Lord, I'm grateful that you're the God who doesn't just put back together, but you restore all that's been lost. God, I thank you for relationships that have been lost through unforgiveness and bitterness. Lord, I thank you you're restoring it right now. Lord, I thank you for time lost that you're restoring it. You're not just putting it back, but you're restoring the years the enemy meant to steal. Lord, I thank you for great boldness for every person that's gonna go down the road of extending forgiveness and believing you for freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.